drink it in, drink it in, drink it in, man. It is picked up by the line, coming back right side, 25. Picks up a block at the 30, it's at the 40. Drink it in, drink it in. Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in, man. Rolls to the right, Stafford throws deep. Got a man out there, Enzo, touchdown to Torbeyer, Marvin Jones. Drink it in, drink it in. Touchdown to Detroit Lions! Cornbread! Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in, man. Detroit Kool-Aid. Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers, or as Grifka likes to say on his solo shows, welcome to the Detroit Kool-Aid, everybody. Uh, we are back here on a Wednesday, and we are talking all things Detroit Lions. Um, a lot to talk about by week, you know, heading to play the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I got some questions. I'm going to throw at the old Grifsky at the Waffle Maker today. We might we might mix it up a little bit, and then you're going to have to stay till the end because I've got some fan Twitter questions that came in. Just picked out a couple of them. We're going to throw them at Grifka and see what he's got today. So hopefully... He's got something better than what he normally brings each week, but I got to introduce the man. Grifka, how you doing, buddy? Oh, man, it's nice to be back talking to you, so I'm doing good, doing good. Absolutely. Uh, Wednesday here, let's not mess around, Grifka, because I... You know, as I often do, I got a bone to pick with you right off the top of the show. So I, I listen no way, to your that never happens. <laughs> I listened to your solo show and I actually gave Grifka some kudos, as he likes to say here on the show, which no one uses that word ever except Grifka. But I said, hey man, you, you brought a little energy, you mixed in some gimmick lines, you actually had a couple takes that were that were interesting. I, I didn't mind it. You didn't put the people to sleep like you often do when we do our uh, once every month or so solo dips. Uh, and, and you actually beat me out because my solo show, I was, I was driving in the car, I was in a rush, like it wasn't my best effort. So I tried to give you some, I even put it out on Twitter, hey, uh, go listen to the Grifka show, which normally I would deter people from such a thing but but of course i got an issue so grifka you, you i think half your show was about matt patricia you know big surprise you wanted to talk about the comment that everybody wanted to talk about where he said when i got here there was a lot of work to do my issue with you is i feel like your take or your opinion was everything that's on you coach that's your fault coach these guys aren't playing uh it's your problem coach I don't think you ever got to the crux of what he was trying to say with the, we got a lot of work to do, what he meant. And and you're not the only one. There's a lot of people out there that got this wrong. They're totally off base about it. Give me a little bit more what you thought with, about that comment, and then I'm probably going to tear you up about what it really meant. Go ahead. Okay. Well, kind of like I stated in the show, I mean, when he got here, he got a lot of work to do. So he saw who was on the team, and it didn't fit the mold of what he liked either in defense, offense, you know, personnel, stuff that wise. So he thought, you know, they've got a lot of work to do to change the the team into his image, what he wants on the team. And that's generally what a coach will do. And like, it, you know, it happens all the time. I mean, we say with like, <sighs> when a GM is fired, they're going to generally fire the, the head coach because they want somebody, they want their guy. So when Matt Patricia came in, he wanted, you know, guys that fit his mold of defense, maybe the way he wants to run an offense, something like that. So he thought to himself, we got a lot of work to do, which we've been doing the podcast for how long? We always thought this team had talent. So for him to say that, I think 
the talent was here and this were many. He just he he built this team and what he likes, and we talk about it all the time. The big oafish slow linebackers because that's what he likes. Um, the lack of pass rush. He doesn't find it as as necessary as some teams put as much weight into like having, you know, quick, fast, small defensive ends or something like that, which that's what he doesn't, you know, talk about. We've talked about it with other people on the show that he doesn't put a whole lot of stock into that, even though we question how come, you know, we can't get to the quarterback. Maybe he doesn't, he doesn't find it necessary. So yeah, that's on him building this team, him and Bob Quinn, because they're supposed to be, you know, on the same page with that. So that's, that's what I, that's what I took the comment as there's a lot of work to do that he wanted to build this team in his image, because as you always state, um, Jim Caldwell, it was the uh, Caldwell country club and he doesn't run a country club, country club type team. All right. Well, I think I remember hearing you and I've heard a lot of other people say it where, you know, they wanted to take that as, you know, again, they just were remembering Jim Caldwell of like this glorious time. Yeah, our records were good. Yeah, we went to the playoffs a couple times. But everybody knows that at the end of that, you know, stint, everybody knew that Caldwell made a bunch of in-game gaffes and that he was not the guy. Yet everybody wants to act like, oh, they should have just come in and they had a ready-made team. Like, I remember having the podcast with you and Hughes, one of our first shows ever. Might have been the first combo show here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast when Patricia just came in and you guys were like, oh, he's got to win 10 games. And I was just like, this guy's going to, like, you know, need time to get himself set up. And, and he's a first-time head coach. And we might not – might be a struggle to some degree. And and everybody thought it was just, oh, you're going to get over the hump. He's going to just – he's ready-made to do this thing. Nine and seven isn't good. How many times do I have to hear that? Nine and seven isn't good enough, right? That's what was said. But when Matt Patricia says there's a lot of work to do when I got here, I'm sorry to tell all you people, but the reason I say the Detroit – Lions Country Club is because I guarantee you Matt Patricia came in here after winning Super Bowls, after being to the playoffs every year, basically, after winning divisions every year. He came in here and it wasn't even so much about what was on the football field. It was like, what is wrong with this facility at Allen Park? What's wrong with the weight room? How, why? What are these guys eating? Like, are they training properly? Like, all these crazy things that he just looked at and was like, just it was shock to him about like what what are they doing here compared to where he came from so when he says he had a lot of work to do it means he had to try to reshape the organization into a winning organization behind the scenes and 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 the problem that everybody has all the fans and everybody has is all they want are w's on sundays like yes i want wins but i also want a, like a winning team for years to come and and of course when you just look at a three wins uh, you know, even, even despite all the injuries and not having our quarterback. Yeah, you can do, you can dumb it down like that. But what he was saying is I had to basically start from scratch to get this organization, everything behind the scenes where he knows it to be, to win at a high level, as well as the roster, as well as the scheme, as well as certain aspects. And like the only things that fans and everybody sees on the surface is, they just look at the records. They just say, oh, our defense can't coach anybody. But that's not what he was saying. He wasn't saying I had a lot of work to do, meaning like the team and, and certain things were in shambles. It was much more about all the things that nobody pays attention to. And I mean, I, I don't know how to break it down any 
farther than saying yes, everybody wants W's. That is like almost, you know, that's basically the most important. But even when you're winning nine games with Jim Caldwell, if the organization as as just a a structure, as a as a team, as a uh, like I said, I just want to use that word organization is a mess. The nine wins, the eight wins, the ten wins, the twelve wins. It's not going to sustain over a long haul. So I think he was trying to build something much longer term. And because he hasn't got the W's and because it hasn't looked the way he wanted to look or the way it looked in New England, you know, he's pretty much on his way out to some degree. But the, the lot of work to do wasn't, oh, Jim Caldwell wasn't a good coach, wasn't, oh, this team doesn't have talent, wasn't, uh, oh, you know, I came into just an absolute mess of a situation because Jim Caldwell had it on point when it came to culture and you know, the players respect, probably the players respect because he ran such an easygoing, you know, way of doing things. Of course, they're going to be happy. It's like when the assistant, uh, you know, teacher comes in and puts on a movie, everybody's happy, but you're not learning anything. You're not getting better. So when he tore all that down, he tore down the, the, you know, redid the cafeteria, the training, all the things they were doing. That's what ruffled all the feathers. And, and here he is in year three, still not getting W. So that's my long answer of like everybody just missing what he was talking about. Because they're focused on the players, the roster, the wins, the, you know, all the very simplistic things. And I, I don't think that's what he was talking about whatsoever. So you said he came in and tore down, you know, was wondering, you know, what, how's this team training? What are they eating? He didn't like maybe the facilities. So, yes, he was trying to build everything in his image the way he wanted it, the way him and Bob Quinn wanted it. So you're right. And the point, just like that's all stuff. Me, you, fans, we don't see it. You're, I mean, you're correct. I mean, I have to agree with you on that, Derek. <laughs> but still, I mean, I've said it before, and I know you pick at me for it, but it's still, you know, it's black and white. It's a, it's a win loss <sighs> summary. So you want to come in and like, you know, ruffle some feather feathers, and you know, it's some of the guys that were white. used to the old way of Glover Quinn and Derry Slay and Quandre Diggs, and they, they don't like it. So you, you, you get guys in there that are more used to your coaching style. It, you know, fans are, are going to take that as some sort of slight, especially when you're not producing. If your teams were, I mean, if your teams were at least competitive in some of these games, not getting blitzed off the field, you know, th- then they might catch a little more slack. But to make a comment like that, you know, it does look very like tone deaf to like, you know, us fans. And, you know, it's like, that's like, give me more time. How much more time do you want? I mean, Buffalo's doing pretty good, and, and their coach came in there. And, I mean, they've been to the Super Bowl. They never won it. I mean, got the, the butt of the joke and because they lost four, four Super Bowls in a row. But still, I mean, I think Lions fans would, like, you know, be, like, so happy just to make one, let alone four in a row. But they're, they seem to be doing okay. He didn't come in. We have a lot of work to do. I mean, Matt Patricia, sorry, man. The guy's just – he's just kind of a bully. And when other people, like when talking heads are actually starting to get to that on the four letter network on, you know, you know, pre on the pre shows, the, the pregame shows, and they're just like instantaneously bashing them. I mean, people that know football, we like me and you like to think that we know football, but those guys have, have forgotten more about football than we'll ever know. And they're bashing this guy as a coach. I mean, yeah, they're not there, but they have a whole, they have a whole lot more insiders than 
me, you, your boy Mike Valenti, who likes his one, you know, his one insider who's obviously the custodian at Allen Park. So, or your twenty four seven website and say like, oh, I, I want a better cafeteria, oh and I want us to serve, you know, uh, you know, celery with lunch instead of carrots. I mean, that's that's pretty pathetic. I mean, so yeah, you need W's, coach, to uh, to be able to do that. So yeah, everything does fall on him. The defense is crap because of him. They have slow linebackers because of him and Bob Quinn. That's that's the way it is. Oh my gosh, are you referencing you know Dan Orlovsky coming after Matt Patricia? What, what, what big credentials I'm does he have? He's I'm Matt also Stafford referencing. I'm also referencing a, a four-time Super Bowl winner. I'm also referencing another Super Bowl winner and a guy I don't even like in Michael Strahan. But yeah, yeah, I'm referencing guys who've actually won that stuff too as as well. You're, you know, you're, so yeah, you're taking you the can, opinion can, of Terry you can rip Bradshaw because the guy ran out the back of the end zone in Minnesota. But come on, <laughs> man. I mean, there's Super Bowl winners on, on the Fox pregame ripping on him. I mean, Jimmy Johnson's sitting there, you know, kind of like, you know, scratching his head to and that guy. I mean, I love Jimmy Johnson. So, yeah, yeah I'm going to take their word for it over Dan Orlovsky. But still, I mean, you can throw <sighs> Dan Orlovsky at me, but you better throw some respect to those other guys who are wearing wearing rings, too. Oh my gosh, this is this is classic Griff. So he throws out or he wants to. You you really think I take Terry Bradshaw seriously here in 2020? The guy's been a clown the past decade. I take nothing he says as any credibility. Now if Jimmy Johnson got on the table as a head coach and as somebody that that knows how to build an organization and said it. Okay, what did Michael Strahan do? He, he rushed the passer, and now he he's on the morning show on on The View or something. Like, you know, get out of here with that. Like, these aren't these aren't NFL executives. These aren't there's there's a lot of people that say they still respect Matt Patricia, but I'm here to tell you, I'm as frustrated as any of the other fans when it comes to wins losses and sometimes how this team looks. But I also can look back at it and say, okay, year one, you were coming in, you were setting up everything you did, didn't go so well. Year two, what, what did you want him to do? Did you want him to win 10 games with, with David Blowell at quarterback? Did, did you expect that to happen? I think every Lions fan thinks that we just roll out of bed and we should win 10 games or else get rid of everyone. Or they want to boo-hoo about all the bad records without looking at the circumstances. Like, if we were out there rolling and had everything up and running the last couple of years, okay, you can hold them to 9 10 wins or less but last year is just throw that out you know based on you know not having a signal caller and not having a bunch of other players year one was of uh you know starting over and year three yeah expected better had been frustrated with it but that doesn't mean they haven't got better from an organizational standpoint or they you know aren't uh, just a a better built system to win long term they just haven't one yet like what happens if they go rip off a bunch of w's and, and now he's got this whole system and, and the training and the team's on board what now oh okay now it's okay but be, but if he loses two three more games everybody just wants to get rid of him and start over like how's that gonna help anything so when he said i got a, little, a lot of work to do it meant from top down bottom up not just like hey i need to go from what seven wins or nine wins up to 10 or 11 to make everybody happy it's much bigger than that so when you go back to all this other stuff that everybody else says the only way that's going to be justified is if he just not only can't coach in detroit but can't go anywhere else and win but he's trying to build what he saw which was an organization that won at a high level for years and years and years so 
you know, I don't blame him for that one bit. Now, is it going to work here? It's not working right now, and it hasn't worked those last couple years. But again, you want to go back to this black and white business garbage, which is like, hey, Okri, let me just ignore all the other things that are happening and just look at the win-loss record because that's all I care about, and that's all what Joe Fan cares about. And I wanted to bring this up because there's so many other things that go into the organization, the player personnel, and the coaching on Sundays. You ever have a boss, Grifka, who does everything right, shows up to the meetings, gives you the right instructions, stays on you, yet the people still can't do the work right? That's where we might be with Matt Patricia. He might be doing everything right from Monday to Saturday, and these guys can't show up and make plays on Sundays, and and that could be the case too. So when you wanted to go on and on in your solo about, oh, it's on you, coach. It's on you, coach. Coach, you're not good enough. You didn't get it right. Bob Quinn, you didn't do this. Like, I'm just saying you're not accounting for all the things that I have seen go right behind the scenes. I just, every time they kick it off on Sunday, we're not getting the results that we want. And we're trying to figure out why. Is it because these guys got to go? Or is it because they really only had about a year, year and a half of actual team building? Because you got to scrap basically last year because of the Stafford injury and because of other factors. So that's what it is, man. I want to get that off the top. But a lot of work to do, in my opinion, means all the things that nobody pays attention to. And a lot of work to do to you and to others means, hey, that's slap in the face because Caldwell won nine games. So you didn't have much work to do and you failed at every level because of the records only. That's what it is. Well, like you said, it's at... Uh he came in and is building something that we don't see behind the scenes. Okay. I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad his conference rooms look really pretty and have nice overheads and nice chairs that people can sit up straight in. But uh, you know, if it's not translating to the field, yeah, but you're okay. Last year they lost their quarterback and you said this year isn't really working out. Dude, the guy's a defensive genius. His defenses are freaking horrible. I mean, Co, come on. They played four football games. What if they go? I'm looking at the schedule right now. Dude, they played what, a what lot if, more than four last year, and you don't blow that many double-digit leads when you're a defensive genius. And all the <sighs> same, like I mentioned it on the podcast, like none of the none of the Bill Belichick, you know, you know, lease off the tree have done anything in the pros. So that really more leads you to believe that it's actually Bill Belichick is the one that did everything, and all those other guys are just kind of, oh you know. Coat Taylors is what they are. It's just like, oh, you touched Bill Belichick. Something will rub off. Um, obviously not, because it hasn't worked for any of those guys. Right. So yeah, go change, go change your weight room, go change your menu, go repave the parking lot. You'll paint the building. Feel good about where you work. But if it doesn't translate onto the field, it doesn't matter. And yes, it is still a business. It's still a win loss sum, is what it is. So that's what people see. It's it's no different than any business. I mean, you can have the greatest people working for you. You can have the nicest building, but if you're if you're not turning a profit, somebody's going to have to go, and it's usually the higher ups. You know, one, you know, said it before. You can't fire all the players. You can fire the coach. That was a disgraceful See? performance. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to hit Jim Moore there, but I did oh, mean I, to I give totally you one agree with, I totally agree with that. You know, Matt <laughs> Patricia, that was a. A totally disgraceful performance. No, you know, your solo show and this garbage you're spewing out right now is a disgraceful performance. Like you're just you're I, just back I to the same old rhetoric. Me, you don't get I think it. More people are going to agree with me than you know the uh, sunshines, lollipops, like you got right there. <laughs> oh, he's such a nice guy. He told he told the guy to sit up straight in a meeting and tuck his shirt in. And you know, five years ago he had a great call in the Super Bowl. But let's forget how he let Nick Foles come back and beat him in a Super Bowl. And then you know so. Yeah, okay. 
this nice is, job, this is, Coach. This, Congratulations. This is, Five years ago in New England, is, you had a great call. What's this is classic waffle maker, everybody. This is Griffka just telling me that, oh, it was all Bill Belichick, yet it's not Bill Belichick when he's getting ripped up he's by the Nick one Foles who, and everybody. Are you, are you kidding me? He's the one who had the quote. Oh, I had a pretty good call in the Super Bowl five years ago. I think I had the greatest call. Five. No, that's it. That's him pumping his own stats. That's that's me. Oh, Mr. Awesome. I had a great call five years ago. That so, don't mean crap to me. You did, also got your butt kicked by, you know, Nick Foles. So, But you just I, said he didn't. He didn't do any of that. He just sits in the back of the corner and Bill Belichick does everything. He didn't have anything to do with any of that winning in New England. That's what you just told me. And now you want to crush him because he, he didn't do something. Or I, I, I don't know what you're talking about right now. He either, he either was the defensive coordinator, was integral, or he wasn't. And if he was and he did good, he can say he made a good call and his players made good calls. Just like he can be called out on the carpet for certain things. Like, which one is it, man? And nobody's talking about the conference room and the paving we're talking about how you win in the nfl at a high level and who do you think seen it better matt patricia coming from the patriots and trying to make this place feel and look more like the patriots or do you think the lions had it all figured out who've never won anything and who had tom lawand grifka i was at allen park probably seven eight years ago i got a tour it was one of the worst inside facilities it looked like a high school in there there was not a thing on the wall there wasn't it looked like the worst place ever for players now when you see it man it's all decked out players it looks like an actual nfl facility that players would want to come to and would want to be a part of like that's the kind of stuff i'm talking about they were mickey mouse before they were cheap they were like a, a an organization that was just getting by with the basics and he came in here and tried to upgrade everything that nobody sees so that we could get players here we could win for not one year for like three years five years seven years and everybody wants to kick him out already and i'm just saying like you might just blow up what you had for three plus years in building for what some immediate results that you want next year or that you thought oh the lions should win every game on their schedule we're four games in and they one and three they could easily be two and two that's probably as best as you could have right now like what were people expecting four and oh at this point like i'm just here to tell you they go rip off some w's they get this thing turned around don't be surprised just like everybody wants to just rag on them all day like that oh that lot of work to do i mean the guy didn't have anything to do he should have showed up with his pencil and his beard and won 10 games every season like what was there to do we're the detroit lions we haven't won a playoff game since the 50s like there was a lot to do and when you say that it's not a slap in the face to anyone it's the damn truth there was a lot to do from top to bottom that had more to do with other things than even just players on the football field. And those guys have a lot to do with it too. That's why he broomed out guys. They brought in certain people. Did they miss? Of course. I'm sorry. They can't get the draft perfect. Like you do every year, Grifka, but they're going to have some hits and misses. And, and this roster and this play on Sundays needs to get better, but it doesn't mean there aren't better things in the organization that can help us long-term and everybody just wants to blow it up or just, it's your fault coach. Well, is there, is there a fact that maybe, He's doing certain things right, and he's just not getting those W's that you and the the fan base cares about. Could that be a possibility, too? Yeah, it could. So, anyway, we could talk about this for hours. Grifka, I got some questions for you. Let's see where we're at in the show. I think we're like 20 minutes in already, so I think we got to get our sponsors in here, come back and get some questions to you, and I got to get these fan things in here to end the show as well. Okay. Everybody, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers, we're back from the break. Thanks so much for listening to our sponsors, uh, you know how me and Griff could do like, you know, I wanted just to call him out on one topic about his solo show about him and others not realizing what my, Matt Patricia was meant. Now we're 20, 25 minutes in. We, we got to throw some more things at the old waffle maker, the old Griffsky uh, here on the show. And uh, I, we're going to have a loaded up show on Friday too. make sure you check that out. I mean, Griff could usually rouse me up on a Friday. I'm sure this will be no different, but there's lots of good things to talk about. And we'll preview the Jaguars game on Friday. So, Grifka, let me ask you this. You know, the word consistency has been the word of the day for the Lions. I heard it from Matt Patricia. I heard it from Daryl Bevel. I also heard it from Corey Unling when I'm doing my normal listen to the coordinators, which I know you never do. They all talked about being more consistent, doing things right all the time rather than sometimes. They said sometimes you'll see it be done perfectly. Other times they're not getting the job done, and that's what's costing them in ball games. My question to you, do you buy it that consistency is one of the biggest things that this team hasn't done and needs to do to get it turned around? I think the only thing they're really consistent at right now is not playing well. So, yeah, they need to consistently play well to, uh, you know, turn it around. I mean, if it's like a play here and there, the hard part is when they do need to make a play, they're not making it. So that's must that must be what the coaches are talking about when it's breaking down or – but. Like you mentioned it talking about through the New Orleans game where they just kind of needed one stop and they could have got off the field and Jeff Okuda, you know, missed the play where he, you know, other times he, he had a pretty good game against the Cardinals, but he had a bad game against the Saints. And I think the other one as well, I mean, they had a couple spots to, you know, get the ball back, but then was it, um, Elm Kamara just kind of danced off to one side to get the first down where, you know, other plays where the linebackers have been in a position to make that play where, where they really needed to stop, they haven't been able to make it. So yeah, the consistency has got to be the big thing as well. I mean, that's any, in any sport, you know, to be successful, you got to do, uh, got to do what you need to do consistently to, you know, win games. Oh, Grifka, your 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 little zinger that you tried about them not or being consistently at just being consistently not good or whatever you said. I mean, it, it absolutely does this. It drives me freaking bonkers, Grifka. It's it's not that they've been consistently bad. It's that they've been inconsistent. Meaning, like, how many games we've been up this year, Grifka? What every game? I, so we haven't been consistently bad all games because we were up fourteen against the Saints. We were up against Chicago, we were up against Green Bay, we beat 
the Cardinals. So, no, we haven't been consistently bad all the time. When these guys are talking about consistency being the key, it's because one time, you know, a tight end or an offensive lineman will make a good block and we we rip off an Adrian Peterson, like, 12-yard run. Next time, they miss the block and it's minus two. Like, that's the type of consistency they need is just to do your freaking job and do it at a consistent level so this team can play four quarters of quality football. Now, if they were getting blown out the gym from day one, in all these ball games, I'd agree with you, which I rarely do on the show because they haven't been. They've been up in a lot of games. They've started fast, which they hadn't done in previous years. So the inconsistencies are coming because why are we getting all that right? And why are we getting out to early leads and then can't hold them? Well, it's those inconsistencies that pop up, missed blocks, drop passes. Jeff Okuda, as you mentioned, um, not just not being that that half a step where he didn't get his hand out or he's not there. Everybody's riding this guy off as he's just some garbage corner. When I feel like he's just either a little inconsistent or just that half step slow. A lot of our cover guys, they're always there, but they're just a, a step or two slow, not getting their hand up, not in the, you know, offensive guys hit pocket. They need to get all those type of inconsistencies cleaned up and make more plays consistently to win. So, I know you tried to do a nice little zinger there, but I'm just here to tell you that's not what that's not what happened this year. We haven't been consistently bad for four quarters. The Lions haven't been consistently bad in all areas of the game. Now everybody wants a point at defense. Yeah, on Sundays, we're, we're sitting there going, why can't we get off the field on third down? Why can't we make one play when we need it? Why can't we turn the football over consistently? I don't have all those answers for you, but I know when these guys talk about consistency, again, it goes back to that argument we had at the beginning of this show. What do you think the Patriots and what do you think winning organizations have? They show up and consistently hang their hat. I put it on Twitter. What are the Lions, what can they hang their hat on right now? And not many people had much to say. Why? Because they just want to look at the scoreboard and say, ah, can't do anything well. Losing ball games. This team's horrible. Defense is the worst ever. When really, you have to establish what you can hang your hat on and what you can be consistent at to win in the National Football League. And, you know, the Detroit Lions need to find those couple things that they can do every single Sunday. They need to find those plays that they can run consistently, time after time, and get positive yardage or defenses that they can call that their guys know what the hell they're doing and can get after the quarterback or can get the, you know, passes knocked down, whatever it may be to get off the field and turn it back over to their offense. And all those inconsistencies are costing them games, costing them leads and costing them games again in the fourth quarter. Lions are always there in the fourth quarter and we can't get that extra play or two, or we can't be consistent enough to end up getting the W. So I think it's a good word. I think they're all on it. I know people hate hearing it from Matt Patricia. Hey, just got to be more consistent. Got to do the, the things right. You know, take our practice to game day, all that stuff. But that's what the good teams do. They do what they're supposed to, when they're supposed to, how they're supposed to, and they don't do it once every five times. They do it four out of five or five out of five. And that's what helps win. So, I don't know what it is. It's it, it, To me, it's players or, like you say, it's the scheme that needs to be uh, more consistent, meaning like the coaches either got to dial up things a little bit better or these players got to execute, which is another word you'll hear from Patricia, better to win. And until they do that, man, you're going to have these frustrating moments like we've been having in these games. So I think it's a good word. I think it's going to frustrate fans, but I think it is. 
the thing that's not only killing this team this year, I felt like that for a long time with the Lions. You know, talent, plays, everything. A lot of it's there some years, but the consistency's never there. Never show up on a Sunday and know if we're going to be able to stop people on defense or run the football or um, sling it all around and just have nobody guard us. It's just like, you just don't know what you're going to get. We haven't had a consistent football team since... I don't even know when. What, 2014 was probably the most consistent. We could always get after the quarterback and stop the run, and we could score points. And since then, you know, it's just a bunch of who knows, you know, and inconsistent football. So they got to get it cleaned up. They got to get it going, and hopefully it'll start this week with the Jaguars. We'll talk about that on Friday here on the Kool-Aid cast. Grifka, are the Lions healthy heading into this Jacksonville game? I mean, what do you think? Because, like, to me, the NFL is all about injury and injury management. Where do you think they're at with injuries, overall health of the team, heading into this game coming off a of bye week? I feel they're pretty overall, overall they're healthy. I mean, they haven't had a lot of guys drop them. The ones that have have come back. Coleman, I guess, can come back this week. I haven't heard yet if he is going to play this weekend or not. But uh, Trufant came back. Little nicks and things they've picked up in other games. Those guys are are back as well. So I feel that they're that they're healthy. I mean, nothing's come out saying that you know um, you know there's any real in, any long lasting injuries to any of the guys that have been starting. Uh, Galladay's back now. He seems to be playing pretty well. And um, the, our other key contributors, um, they've pretty much stayed on the field uh, the whole season. Yeah, one of the few times I agree with you. They are pretty healthy. No major injuries, the major spots. We hope that continues. Now they need to, you know, use that to their advantage. I mean, again, Grifka, I'm looking at the schedule. Just a quick follow-up, as you would often say. Or let me piggyback off that question, classic Grifka line. Did you expect them to beat the Bears? Yes. This is rapid fire, Grifka. Yeah, you did, and they should have if John Drew should catch the ball. How about the Green Bay Packers? What did you think that game would happen? No, I thought they'd lose in Green Bay. Exactly. What about Arizona? You think we go down there and beat them? Um, no. And we did. What about New Orleans coming to our house? Everybody thought New Orleans was a juggernaut before the season. You think that was a chalked up W from day one? chalked up when we were predicting the schedule I believe they I, I predict them to win that game so yeah I thought they would yeah so most people thought Drew Brees and company especially if they had had all their weapons come in and beat us so we we beat Arizona we lost to a couple of teams most people thought we'd lose to everybody knows we blew that game against Chicago so I'm just here to tell you I'm looking at the schedule. we got 12 games left. I mean, I haven't done it yet, Grifka, and this is why we call it the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. So hold on, everybody. Get your glass out. Get a big, tall, big straw. Here you go. Drink it in, man. Grifka, coming up at Jacksonville, at Atlanta, home against the Colts, at your boy Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. Play the Washington football team. They don't even have a logo right now. At Carolina. Houston. I mean, you're telling me we can't go on a run with a healthy team when everybody thinks that we're just the worst team of all time? We played four football games. Two of those we should have won. Two we we got blown off the off, off the turf, and it was real frustrating. You're telling me we can't win, like, five or six of those next games coming up? Like, I don't see why not. Yeah, I mean, to quote, you know what, LeBron James, anything's possible, or was that Kevin Garnett? I can't <laughs> remember. Kevin Garnett, Watch bro. I, I usually yeah. have that sound drop, but I don't have it right now. It's classic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, like you say, any, any given Sunday, but 
you know, for all those times we can say, yeah, we could win them. I'm, they can also lose them. So. <laughs> oh man, if there's not a more waffle make a statement, <laughs> it's that one. Right there. Hey, there's Everybody, years, we could win or we could lose. Jaguars and then went to Jacksonville <laughs> and got their teeth handed to them. And everybody kind of picks on Gardner Mishu <sighs> for like being the stash, but you know that guy. This guy's throwing up yards. I mean, he's putting up a whole bunch of yards, and the lines have proved that they're having trouble defending the pass. So yeah, I mean, Jacksonville's a puncher's chance there. The Colts have a good defense. I mean, and you know, we struggled to move the ball against some teams, but you know, uh, nobody yeah. nobody tuned in to hear you tell about all the opponents how good they are. This is the Detroit Kool Aid Cast. Well, Remember you, that. Want, you want me to roll off how they can win these games? Then you laughed when I said, "Oh, Waffle Mike." Well, yeah, they can go and score a bunch of points too. I mean, the only one right now I might pencil in as the sure thing W right now is Atlanta. That team seems to be in a freaking free fall right now. It's like that team seems has a bunch of talent, but that team that team is all over the place. Griffka, pretend you love the Detroit Lions and that you know how to drink the Detroit Kool-Aid and, and change that statement. Hold on. Let, let me help you out. Drink it in. <laughs> Real quick, in, in 30 seconds or less, t- tell the people what could happen after coming off the bye week here on the Kool-Aid cast, please. Okay, here. I'll help you out. I'll put it in terms you know. Um, the team could play more consistent. They'd be able to execute. Uh, <laughs> they'd come out with some big W's. There you go. That, that's what we're looking for. Grifka, is, is Austin Bryant even alive? Like, we drafted this guy two years ago, basically, now. I've never seen him on a football field, except for maybe a game or two at the end of last year where I didn't notice him. Like, this guy played at Clemson. He's supposed to be a big, you know physical off the edge type rusher. I mean, what does he have that's keeping him out for months and months and months? And then he comes back for a couple practices and he's out for months and months and months again. Like, I don't understand what's going on with this guy. You hear nothing about him either. It's like, he's just uh, in an oasis. I, I don't know where Austin Bryan is. Like, wh- wh- what is the issue? Here? Points. I actually forget that guy's like still on the team or still part of the team. And people bring him like, Oh yeah, that's right. You know, when we're like previewing and saying this guy, it's just, you know, when's this, we never say, when's this guy coming back? Because I, there's point, I just forget he's on the team. I do like, okay, he's out of sight, out of mind. So I don't know what his injury is. I don't, I remember it was in the draft. That's kind of one of the reasons why his stock fell a little bit, but, uh, I, I don't like a year he and must a half be the ago. Most, one of these, must be Mr. Glass or something. <laughs> I, I don't get it. Well, you say you forgot about him, but I mean, note to Grifka, like, you know, we need these players that we draft in the first four rounds to help our football team. So you might have forgot about him, but if he could come back and give us half of what he did at Clemson, he'd help this team. So that's why I'm bringing him up and why I want him to figure out whatever he's got wrong with him. Like, the guy's just missing. It's not even like a couple games he comes back. It's just months and games and seasons that just go by without this guy getting on the football field. So anyway... All right, we'll keep this going, Grifka. Um, we had some frustrating losses, um, one and three. I mean, we kind of just hit on this, but I thought I'd just tee it up for you so you can depress all the people again. I mean, is this the end of the world, really? No, it's not Hello? the end of the world. I mean, <laughs> I mean, of course they could uh, improve and you know, and you know, find find the magic and go off a run and start to believe in themselves and. You know, that's what happens sometimes. It sounds funny, but teams get rolling. They have like this certain sense of belief, but, and that they can't be stopped. It just seems like with the Lions, when stuff starts to go south, the guys on the sidelines start to get this look like, oh, here we go again. 
and that can also happen. It can creep in. So it, doubt can creep in. But uh, I want to call it the end of the world. Like you mentioned, like the teams that are coming up, those are all very winnable games for, for Detroit. And um, we all know Thanksgiving is always an automatic W. You know, I like how you riff on that. <laughs> so, yeah, oh. this ain't the end of the world. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, everybody out there, drink that Detroit Kool-Aid. I mean... Yeah, I don't know what we're going to get on Jackson in Jacksonville. I don't know if we're going to get just run over again in the run game. I don't know if it's, they're going to sling it around. Both teams are giving up like 35-plus points per game on both sides of the football when it comes to defense. So I'd expect some points to be scored. I mean, I don't know what to expect, but I know if they get this W, they can go to the ATL, which, again, you said is a mess. I still think has a lot of talent. So I don't know that's a very easy game. I think it's winnable, though. And then you look at some of those other teams I mentioned on the schedule. Like, not only could they get it right, the Lions need to get it right. Because this has just been a mess, you know, with everybody just wanting to blow it up. Start. Oh, yeah, that's that's going to be a real fun two years worth of shows we're going to have. Rifka when we start over from scratch again and we get a new quarter. But it's just like, yeah, hope springs eternal at that point. But I, I think people have this ridiculous thought that in one year or so we'll be completely turned around because it happened one or two other times, which I think you mentioned earlier on this show. Other people always bring up the two times or three times that it actually worked rather than every other time where people try to blow it up with a new hot coach and a new young quarterback and it doesn't work. So, you know, this isn't the end of the world, people. There's 12 weeks left. That's three months left in this season. So, they just need to get together, get it together starting this week, and I think they can do so. Grifka, is, is Matt Patricia overthinking it? Is he making the game too complex for him and his players? What do you think? No, I, I, don't, I don't think so. I, I, I go back to my show, I think it's a scheme, scheme and personnel. They just don't have as much talent as we think they do. I listened to, your, I listened to the show where you named off the few guys you'd want to build around. I mean, that's, what, 55 guys, and you had, what, six guys that you, you thought the team could build around? And Well, you're not going to have I mean, 30 I guys to build around. Show, and I think I had maybe one or two more guys than you did. So I think it's scheme, really, and talent on the team. So I don't think he's overthinking it. All right. Well, as normal on this show, everybody, I do think he's overthinking it. I think Matt Patricia, again, is too smart for his own good. I feel like he can draw it up on paper. I think he's an X and O's guy. He's also always thinking about the what ifs or if they do this, I'll do this. Hey, this week we need to do this because they don't do this very well. Some of the good football teams just do what they do better than the other team does and they know it and they go in and do it and the other team can't stop it. It's the same thing that goes along with really good football players. That's why I usually just draft and play my studs in fantasy football because the best players, they just show up and they're just better than the guy across from them and they just make plays and they help you win in fantasy football. And that's what should happen in NFL, too. You should just roll off the bus, know that you're more physical, you execute, Grifka, you are consistent, <laughs> and you just show up and beat the daylights out of people. You, you freaking punch them in the face and take their candy is what I'm trying to tell you. And the Lions need to do that. And I'm, I think Matt Patricia just hymns and haws over all this stuff and probably overloads his players with all this needless information. When he needs a couple good pass rushers, he needs some cover guys, and needs to just have let him get after it more. Like nobody's trying to 
stand in this random area of the field. Like, go get the quarterback. Hey, see that guy across from you? Try not to let him roast you on every pass play. How about that? Like, we could boil it down to some of the most simple concepts, and Matt Patricia is trying to make it rocket science, and it doesn't need to be. Like, the talent in some areas needs to be upgraded. In other areas, I feel like talent's being misused or being wasted because they're they're in this random overthought scheme where we got to change every week when really you just figure out what you do well go do it and and find out how to win ball games in the fourth quarter or I don't know keep a 14 point lead that'd be nice like it's not that hard I don't think and I think Matt Patricia is making it too hard that could be his downfall here as a head coach is just hey you you made everything too difficult you didn't win and no matter how smart you are or how much you love football, it's not going to be enough because you're overthinking it and you're putting too much almost stress on these players rather than letting them go play football at a high, quick level, speed, power, you know, all the things that you talk about. You're just overcoaching, overthinking, overscheming. Like, I don't know. I think that's what it is, to be honest. I mean, it could be, but uh, I think if he was if he was that good a coach, that smart, he'd realize what he was doing. And I still believe it's it's the team itself, how it's made up, and where they're using the guys, and just the scheme. So you say the scheme. We got to get some listener questions and close out the show. But you got to tell me what you mean because this scheme has worked uh, not on. For years and years, it's it's not a scheme he's made up on his own. It's 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 a scheme that's been run, you know, at, at other places. It it makes sense when you talk about it, you know, being able to to cover in a passing league, being able to, um, you know, be be physical in the run game, stop the run, you know, all of it makes sense. It's just not happening. You you weren't dead set against this scheme, you know, from day one. You're just really against it after four games because it's giving you two games worth of head scratchers, as you would put it. Like, what do you want them to do? You just want them to get uh, – what do you want them to run that's going to just, abs- you know, be perfect from your eyes? For as weak as the defensive backfield's playing right now, I believe they need to attack the quarterback more. And With I know who? we've had this discussion where you think you need to drop more guys in coverage. But if your front four are not making – are not wreaking any havoc at all – and you're depending on your back line to hold everything, that's not going to happen in the NFL game. You need to apply pressure. They did it against Arizona, and they seemed to bring more and bring more pressure, maybe because they thought Kyler Murray was young and he hadn't seen a whole lot, and maybe they thought they couldn't do that against Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees. But they they don't. They need They need to bring more pressure. They need to attack more. And to be able to do that, I mean, from, and I realize they beat Arizona, but Arizona was bringing guys from all over the place, and you know, but, you know, making Matt Stafford move his feet, making the offensive line having to adjust around, and you know, there was points where he had a lot of pressure on him. He did go down, but the, the, the lines don't do that. They're like, oh, that's not what we run. We expect our defensive backs to do more. Well, you're giving a lot of times the mediocre quarterbacks to be able to pick your defense apart, so. They need to. They need to bring the heat. Is what they need to do. And to hear stuff like, you know, we heard it before when was it um, Gunther Cunningham was there. Was like, well, we're not a good blitzing team. Well, it's because you don't do it. You know, I mean, that's why you don't. You know, you get better with it when you work at it and you do it. So, 
they would be better at it if they did it a lot more. And they've, you know, tried their, you know, no blitzing, just rush four, you know, for three years now. And that's still where quarterbacks have, you know, all day to read a, read a novel and then throw the pass and something has to change. So yeah, that's the scheme. Well, who are they going to bring is what I want to know, because we, we didn't invest in any high end pass rushers. You, you bag on our linebackers every day and they, they've got some decent safeties, but they don't seem to know. They don't even bring them down in coverage, let alone blitz them off edges. So we, you just want to bring pressure without players that can do it. I mean, I would bring pressure if I had a freaky edge guy or if I had a linebacker that, you know, had that type of ability. But the only guy that could do it is, is like a Julian O'Quara. This guy hasn't shown us anything after seeming like a good draft value. Like you've got to have the players to dial up pressure to bring these blitzes that you want. I mean, good luck bringing a blitz with slow ass Johnny Tavai, who I've written off after I've seen enough of him. Now he's just like stuck in mud as Benny blades would say like this guy, I don't know why he just can't run, can't play. Like even when he sees a play, he's two steps too slow for whatever reason. So I don't know who you're bringing, you know, is, is my thing. And, and we don't, we know that even our edge guys are, are, you know, hold the point of attack, you know, type guys, not bend around the edge and kill the quarterback. So you may want to say that because you see the Pittsburgh Steelers do it or because, you know, these other teams, like you said, Arizona, you know why Arizona brings pet pressure, Grifka? Because they got this guy named Buddha Baker. They got this guy named Simmons. They've got Chandler, well, they did have Chandler Jones. They got other linebackers that are, are that type of player. What, uh, Hassan Reddick or whatever. These are guys that are were born to do that type of stuff. And their their coach has been known to dial it up. Matt Patricia not only has been known now to not dial it up, but he doesn't have people to dial it up with. So that's just another pie in the sky call by a, a fan sitting out there saying blitz everybody with who, how. You're right, and then you're right. I agree with you, Derek. And then once again, it goes back to the team is built in his image. He wants slow plotting linebackers, no pass rush. And he expects his defensive backfield to do everything. So, yep. Once again, I think it goes back to coaching. So, okay. Yeah, don't go get fast guys to go get after the quarterback. I'd rather have six four, two hundred fifty pound linebackers who run, you know, you know, five second forties that couldn't cover a coffee table because oh, uh, they look good, in, you know, in a football uniform. Okay, congratulations. You can go sell a pair of jeans, but you can't tackle or cover anybody. Well, it kind of goes back to my earlier statement, so. Grifka, <laughs> you just ripped off about six classic Grifka lines, and that, that was worth it, even though I still hate it, and I'm frustrated with you right now. Let's let's get some <laughs> let's get some fan. Uh, we had a few things come in. Let's read a couple of these and, and see where we go. We'll end the show. So, you know, I put out a thing about I want your opinions on Matt Stafford. Um, I was really curious what people had to say because I feel like we're split now. I know that's something I think you're going to want to – Throw at me on a Friday show. I've got a lot to say about the whole Matt Stafford situation, but I was curious what people had to say, and I, I think these are a couple um, responses that I had. Um, Devon Anderson at Anderson D22 wrote, uh, Keep him, no question about it. Ask teams that have struggled with finding a good quarterback. Once you have one, you don't let him go. Let him retire a lion and play his whole career in Detroit. Guy gives his all on and off the field. Never toxic in the locker room. Hashtag, that's my quarterback. <laughs> like, that that's that's half the fan base. Uh, let's see this other one that I saved. Uh, not sure if it's the other half or not. 
This is from Finn of Funk <laughs> at Pod Trolling. Uh-oh. <laughs> he, he writes, need to tank and trade all viable talent, but O-line, which usually transfers to a new scheme. I love Stafford. We don't deserve him. Oh, there we go with that. I think we can get a first through a third for Stafford under his contract. Trading him helps us tank. We need multiple firsts to make sure we get our guy. So I feel like that's where people are at with the quarterback situation. like some people just want this guy here forever. Other people have either seen enough or want to move on, but everybody's not sure how to do it based on the contract and everything that comes into it. I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit more on Friday. Grifka, this was a question from Dennis. Dennis uh, at Cub Lion. He writes, uh, in your opinion, how long will it take before a Lions Super Bowl win? Oh boy, I'll throw this to Grifka even though I don't want to. He's going to give me some story about how his fandom and 30 years ago. Go ahead. No, I won't do that. I mean, <laughs> how many years? I mean, gosh. I mean, we've seen the NFL, the teams flip relatively quickly, but I can't say. I mean, I would love it within a year or two, but where the way this team is at right now, I mean, you want to say like five years, but then, you know, five years from now, you're flipping out quarterbacks. So that means you got a different quarterback here at that point. But it might have to be that. It might have to be, you know, five years, you know, a couple years from now, you know, you move on from Stafford and, you know, get another quarterback and the quarterback's third year. I mean, you're out there, you know, you know, kicking butt, taking names and winning a Super Bowl. So, yeah, I'll say uh, five years right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough one just because of where they're at right now. I mean, again, we're trying. I'm trying to drink that Detroit Kool-Aid, give some alternative stances, but most people are done with this regime, want to start over from scratch, want to move on from all the players in the quarterback. I mean, if you do that, yeah, you're five plus years away. I had some discussion with people on Twitter. They want to tell me the Lions will never win, and it's because they haven't won, and it's because they quit on them a long time ago. And I said, yep, we'll see you at the parade with everybody else when you're like, oh, I knew this team would do it. I was hanging in there with them. I love this team. Yeah, you didn't love them for 30 years when they weren't winning, but now you're, you're front row on Woodward Avenue. That's where they'll be. So I think it's just that beaten down mentality. I mean, when people say the Lions will never win just because they've never won, I think that's the most garbage comment ever. I think that, like you said, NFL is a – who knows game you could turn it around quick you can also get it wrong you know and, and struggle so I think the Lions you know right now are somewhat struggling but I don't see why in the next you know three five even ten years why they couldn't win a Super Bowl and people say well it has happened in 50 well you're right it hasn't happened but again it goes back to my comment of that's not dictating the next 10 years so they get the right you know, regime in here, they get a signal caller that can, can, you know, have that leadership quality, make all the throws. It can be done. You know, I think the Lions can get it done. So in my lifetime, I feel like there's no doubt that I'm going to see a Lions Super Bowl and it just hasn't happened yet. And we don't know if there's a blue and silver lining right now or not. Most people think not, but we'll wait and see. And uh, I still definitely have hope for this team, both now and in the future. Um, let's yeah, I think finish the biggest out. thing is Go ahead. It, the biggest thing is fans really need to get off to sell the team. That's not going to happen. So cut it out <laughs> for all the people right. like they haven't won in so many years. That's why they'll never win. It's the same ones going sell the team. You've seen the t-shirts sell the team. It's not going to happen. 
you know, that Ford family's making money hand over fist. That it, it's not going to happen. The only way that some the, the team is going to get sold is if it gets left to somebody who doesn't want to run this organization at all, and they're just they're like. I have no interest in this at all. And that's the only way this is ever going to get sold. So people like, Oh, sell the team. You know, it's not like selling, you know, a 75, you know, Corvette. Okay. I just need the money. I want to get rid of it. No, it's just, it's not going to happen. So (laughs) I wish people would just get over that. Do you think selling the team's not going to happen? I'm just curious. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's (laughs) not going to happen. Like I'll, I'll do a real quick take on that. Yeah, they're not going to sell the team. You know that all the reasons are obvious. But the thing I will say is that I don't. I don't know if I see things changing the way they need to change under. You know what? At Sheila Ford Hamp on Twitter or whatever whatever account we made up for her a few shows back uh, back in the day. Because like, how is she going to be so different when she's just the daughter of a mother of a father? Like. You know, if we have little Grifsky on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast in like 20 years, he's just going to say things like, ah, he's not that great or, oh, you know, so-and-so sucks. Like, he's going to do the same things you did because that's what people do. You know what I mean? Like, I don't see any drastic changes. So I do think the ownership is a major issue. And people will say, well, they pay players. Yeah, they pay players. And they have finally upgraded the stadium facilities, all things I've somewhat hit on early in this show. But what they haven't done is I guarantee you there's a bunch of Ford politics behind the scenes about you always hear, oh, they got to get the Fords to rubber stamp that decision or, you know, the Fords wanted so-and-so. I guarantee you there's lots of red tape, as I like to call it, which always messes with good companies, good teams, good organizations where you got a couple knuckleheads there that you got to run everything by or that don't know what they're doing that want to get in the way of all the good business that needs to get done. And I feel like that's definitely a, a forward ownership issue where people think they're aloof, but I think they're probably more in the way than anything when it comes to certain things. When really, I just want to come on here and do my Martha Ford voice where she says, um, where's the check so I'll sign it. Um, okay, do you need any more money? That's all I want Martha or she, whoever to do is just sign checks, let football people do what they do and, and stay out of the way. Cause you know, nothing about football. You know, nothing about winning and you don't know anything about what it takes to be a winner or to be successful. You've had everything handed to you. So stop all this politics, all this garbage and just own the team, sign checks and help us win, which I don't know. And we'll see if they ever do it or not. Grifka, let's end on this one. Do you think, this is from Dylan on Twitter. Dylan, I can't I can't get your last name here, but um, he's got a funny Twitter profile picture. But Dylan asks, uh, do you think we're full rebuild after this season? Grifka, I'm interested in your answer. After the season, a full rebuild. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say yes. Because uh, it's just uh, one of those things I just don't see this the, the team turning around and it might be one of those things where they always say uh, you know if you listen to the fans you're going to be sitting with them and i think that's one thing that seems like the fords do now is that they listen to the fans so no matter what you say about keeping matt pat you know you, you like the direction he's taking stuff if he doesn't produce, it's just they're going to get rid of him and it goes back to another rebuild mode. And that might be one of those things where it just kind of 
kind of like it did with Barry Sanders or Kelman Johnson. It might, you know, finally hit Matt Stafford. And it's just like, I don't want to do this again. And either, you know, request the trade or he just retires to, you know, you know, spend time, you know, raising his kids. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, l- let me end it with this. L- let me, let me do this for the people. So Griffka doesn't bring down and collapse the whole show. People, you know, t- t- take a sip with me, would you? Drink it in, <laughs> Everybody, this isn't a full rebuild after the season, because I'm here to tell you, if the Lions could come out and play some modicum of defense here against the Jacksonville Jaguars, um, you- you'll get my prediction on Friday's show. you also get my B-L-E-A-V and Lions show with Benny Blades on Thursday. We'll talk all about it, but... I don't see why they can't go score points against Jacksonville, get that W, rip off a couple other W's, have a couple other frustrating games. They'll get the fans infuriated. End this season with a with a, a pretty decent record. I don't know if it's going to come in at seven, six, maybe eight. You know, but if they're if they're not down in the four range, like I f- I feel like you can you can keep this thing going be much better than a full rebuild at this point you can all they got to do is tighten up the d and learn how to keep leads at this point i mean there's other things that are good we can run the football better we haven't even seen the passing game because matt stafford hasn't been locked in if he gets locked in we can throw the football all over the field if we get some of our corners back i mean everybody was excited about true font coleman okuda now they got some games under the belt. Remember, we didn't have any preseason, any offseason. So right now at week six off the bye week is basically when preseason would be over. They got some snaps under their belt. They've got the um, scheme. They know some of these new players that they've acquired. Jamie Collins, Danny Shelton coming to their own a little bit. Like, I just want them to start playing. So- I feel like I said this last year where I was just looking for solid football. Like, show up, score points, play Decent defense. I'm not asking you to get turnovers every play. I'm not asking you to hold teams to 10 or less. I'm just asking you to play solid football in all these games and the winnable games you should get. You're obviously going to lose to some of the better teams that you can't compete with, either on offense or defense. And end this year where people can look at this team and not only see progress, but see a sense of hope that, hey, we get another good um, group in here and, and we continue off of if we finish strong. There's no reason you can't come back in 2021. You've already got Stafford under contract. you got Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia under contract. It doesn't make a big deal for me to, to let things roll again and try to build off what you built off for two plus years now with this regime. You know, you can't c- count the Jim Caldwell days and then see where you're at after that because then you're in a much more palatable situation if you want to move on from the quarterback at that point, if they come in and have another, you know, up and down inconsistent season, it's just much easier to move on. I feel like this mid third year would be almost just too quick and uh, just a teardown for the teardown sake when really people just that sounds good on paper, but they don't know what it entails and, and what you're actually doing to the, the, the roster, the, the franchise as a whole. When you talk about a complete teardown, um, when they just need to tighten up. They need to tighten up defense. They need to play a little more crisp on offense. They have the players on the offense side of the ball. The the defensive players are still the question mark. A couple people step up, like Sean Hand, Tracy. Uh, Collins plays better consistently. And we get a little pass rush from either Aquara Boy, either one of them, or uh, Trey Flowers. I don't see why they can't finish the season with anywhere from six to eight t- type wins, which would be exciting for the fan base because that means that we're winning, you know, 
eight out of the next 12 or seven out of the next 12. Like that would be fun to watch. So that's what I'm hoping for. That's some Detroit Kool-Aid for you. Drink it in. With a side of this cornbread, cornbread, cornbread side of cornbread. Grifka, I think we've said enough on this show, but I got to ask you, I do it every show. Just never know. Got to check in with you. Grifka, do you have anything else for the people? Uh, nope. Everybody, drink that Detroit Kool-Aid. Thanks for listening. A lot of fun. You may see me popping up on some other podcasts here. I might have some guest spots. Who knows what I'll be up to. You know you guys can find me on Twitter, at Derek Oakery, D-E-R-E-K-O-K-R-I-E. Love talking football with you guys. I've been putting out a lot, trying to feel out the fan base, trying to give you some of my opinions. Always love interacting with you there. You can find Grifka at Grifka DKC, the one and only. Everybody, catch us Friday. Friday is going to be a, um, uh, it's going to be a great show. I know we're going to talk Stafford. We're going to talk about the Jaguars. I got lots of opinions. I've even got some stats for you. I, I dove into the stats. I'm going to actually give Grifka some substance rather than what he does, which is normally just babble on about who knows what here on the show. We'll be serving up that Detroit Kool-Aid on a Friday. Everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Take care. We're out. Pack the bag, start the plane. This game is over. It is over. What a comeback by the Lions. Drink it in, man.